Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Welcome back, wine lovers of the world. So today is part two with Rebecca Weinberg, winemaker at Quintessa. You're going to hear direct from source what it's like to live and work through a fantastic harvest and equally how it feels being a winemaker in a challenging one. I've always been in awe of winemakers. When you think a chef has every night of their working life to try and create a better dish or experiment with new flavours, a winemaker gets one shot every year and that's it. Um, when that sinks in, you just realise the magnitude of your your liquid creations. I think for that reason, as much as I'd love to make my own wine, I'm not sure I could handle it. Now, to add to that, I'm sure all of you are aware of the fires that Napa Valley have experienced throughout the years. Well, Rebecca tells us what it was like to deal with the last one and how as a winery they're preparing for the future. Now, there is nothing better than a bit of storytelling to understand a wine better. So you're going to learn about Quintessa's harvest opening ceremony. Perhaps not as extravagant as that of the Olympics, but I think that you will agree, really special, personal and unique. This is a winemaker's episode. So of course, we'll be looking at how different vintages change the flavours in the grapes. Oh, and of course, soils. In fact, you will learn all about Pedro Parra, Dr. Terroir. You know, there's loads in this episode. So you know what? Let's go to the chat now. Now, I want to take us to the life of a winemaker. Can you bring us to your emotions and tell us what is it like to have the high of a fabulous, great vintage and then maybe equally the challenges of a difficult vintage? You know, I think it's like, so you get that, you know, you, you've worked all year so hard and then you, you feel like you know, you feel like you've done everything right and you can trick yourself into feeling like you're in control. And then mother nature can, has the last laugh, right? She gets to finish it. Yeah. Um, so you could have a year like, um, I think you have the 2017 Quintessa. Yeah. And and 18 and 18 and 18. So those are two. So one of those years was more challenging. The other year was a cakewalk. Um, so 2017 was what I would consider a challenging year. You work so hard um, I think our timing of our operations, um, we had a good rainfall in the um, winter, and then it turned quite warm, quite hot. And we had a 10-day heat wave at the beginning of September of temperatures uh, over 100 degrees and like zero percent humidity. So over 40. Something. I was just going to say, everyone knows that over 100 know. is bad, but yeah, it's super hot. <laughs> And that's challenging to the vines. Um, they are in the final stage of ripening, and that's when they are at their most um, vulnerable yeah. to heat. Right? They can't. They can't control their. Really, for not them, it's not heat. It's water. They can't control as well their water. And so, you know, we do everything we can, but it's it can be very stressful. So, how do we react to that? Um, the you know, so you have that those feelings during harvest, like oh gosh, you know. Like, 
I'm having this heat wave. Should I pick? Should I not pick? Um, are the vines going to be okay? And as things come through, um, and so you can have kind of all these emotions and stress and, and trying to kind of figure out uh, what the vines or what the, the wine wants to be. I mean, that's one of the things I think about every year. What does this, I'm trying to listen to the vineyard. What does this wine want to be and how should I treat it? And so for instance, 2017, because of that heat, the quintessas more, the, the grapes turn more towards a darker fruit than a red fruit. So more black fruit than mm-hmm. red fruit. It's incredibly aromatic. I have that in my glass. It was like when I poured it this morning and it's morning here, it just <laughs> like exploded out of the glass. It's so beautiful. Um, but I tell you, it was a very difficult vintage for me. And then of course, at the end of 2017, um, we had a, a very destructive fire in Napa Valley and mm. Sonoma Valley. Yes. So that was probably one of the scariest fire. Fire is a natural part of our ecosystem here. Um, they, they do happen um, periodically. That, that's, it's supposed to happen here. Um, but this one was, I mean, it, it threatened the city yeah. of Napa. You know, yeah. people lost, a lot of people lost their houses. We didn't have cell phone. I mean, it was just incredibly stressful. And in retrospect, that heat wave that I talked about was a blessing because our vintage was almost finished by the time that fire came in. <laughs> it sped things up just that little bit because of the it excess heat. Yeah. Okay. And did you say there was no cell phones? Did you? I know that was the weirdest thing. That was kind of the stressful. Thing. Oh yeah, the cell phone towers um, burned down. Oh my gosh! So you... Yeah, we were we were not quite we were not prepared for a fire like that. No, we are if... much better prepared now. For sure, but I suppose anyway, just the way we live our lives right now, everything is left to the last moment because you're like, I'll just send you a text. I'll let's oh, meet here. I mean, I'll text. Yeah. You know, you how yeah. do you you how do you even cope? And also, like, oh, you're going... in a natural disaster. Yeah, like you when you leave your home. Because I, li- I live in the town, the city of Napa, which is in the southern part, which still had power. And mm-hmm. so since I had power, I had Wi-Fi. Yeah. But you leave your home and you can't contact yeah. home anymore. And you're driving into a fire zone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how do you get the news of what's happening? So this, it, 2017 was a real wake-up call for us wow. on how to, for the, you know, the, the wine industry on how to be prepared for a fire, for these kind of natural, di- like, more destructive natural disasters than we've experienced in the past. Um, in a in a vineyard, though, how can you be more prepared? Well, you can have a generator, so you have your own power. Okay. Um, you can have a plan for how to contact everyone. Um, okay. You have N95 masks. So we had a, you know, before COVID, we had a we already had a great stock of N95 masks, <laughs> <laughs> but not not for what what people normally think. Okay, yes. Other people are scrambling to get them. We're like, oh yeah, no, we we've got hundreds already. Ah, you could have been, you could have made a good business out of that. It doubled in price, you know. Um, but you know, just how how to make those kind of decisions under greater emotional stress, um, and and I think that we've we've had earthquakes here too. Um, times like this, it, it really reminds you what's important. And, and the, here at Quintessa, we are, it's, it's not just the estate because of the vineyard. It's an estate because we are a team, a family. We are farming the estate ourselves with our full-time team. We are working in the winery with our full-time team. And we, um, yeah, I'm just so, I'm so close to this team, um, 
like I said, our, our vineyard team was 16 guys that have been the average 10 years, 15 years. Um, Martin Galvan, our vineyard manager, has been here. He lives on the property for 20 years. Oh, now lucky him. It's not a bad place to live. I know. I know. My cellar team um, are, I think, the average 10 years, 12 years. Beautiful. Like, I'm the newest person at seven years. Oh, how fun- um, oh, funny. <laughs> You're the baby. And I'm the baby. And so it's just a great... Um, when you have those kind of extra, harvest is always stressful, mm. right? You're doing 60% of your work in three months mm-hmm. for the year. Like it is, the vines don't sleep, the fermentations don't sleep. It's seven days a week. Um, you start work at 4 a.m. I mean, it just, right? So you're, you're a close team and you're under, you're used to working under stressful situations together. And so when you have that kind of extra, extra situation of a heat wave or I mean we could have rain like in 2011 that was an unusual situation where we had rain during Mm. the harvest um again those wines are absolutely beautiful so it's kind of like you you, these challenging years sometimes I would argue actually create the most interesting wines yeah maybe like people well it's a story as well isn't it absolutely our scar our war wounds they all mean something and they build us up as you know whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger (laughs) thank you we need of course the the easy the easy years also make great wine too you know they're just telling a different story which is 2018 right 2018 yeah so we had um we didn't have any water stress we didn't it was kind of the, in a way, the opposite of 2017, where we had 2017, you had these heat events, mm. which are actually more typical uh, for Napa Valley to have that kind of heat um, wave. That's one of our more, um, that's one of our big risks in that here. We have very low mildew pressure, but very high risk of having heat waves. Mm. And in 2018, it was mild. Like it was, it was just right in the zone so- um, the entire season. And so it was, there was beautiful energy in the canopy. So great canopies, um, great plump clusters. Like, so they were you know, sized bigger than 2017, but not so big that you had to worry about dilution. And the harvest was long, which was great because it was also a larger crop because these vines were so, um, the canopies were so vigorous in a good way. So they had great vigor and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just had a beautiful, long, even season and a beautiful, long, even harvest. And this wine, um, I think this wine is, is for me, the, um, to date, I think the most true representation of the feeling I have, what I think is the soul of Quintessa, that feeling I have when I'm walking around this property and I'm walking through those different hillsides and the different soil types and feet, you know, I, I, I walk through them and you feel them, how each different section tastes. That, to me, I can see that so clearly in the 2018. Okay, I'm, I'm excited now to taste that. But before I get on, because <laughs> I'm going to compare the 17 with the 18, because I have both. <laughs> you said about how you feel as part of a family. Now, I read in Forbes, there was an article where it says you have this really beautiful ceremony when harvest begins. Can you just tell everyone about this? Because it's just stunning. Yes. So we call it our, our, call it our harvest opening ceremony. Mm-hmm. It's traditional um, for people to do a, you know, a lot of people do a harvest blessing. Okay. Um, this comes from uh, France, Italy. They do, you know, like a, a priest will come in and bless oh, the harvest. Okay. 
And mm-hmm. some, yeah, okay. some people at the opening day, and some people do that here. Um, we felt that that wasn't quite authentic to us um, to bring in some outside person and you know do a blessing or you know not all, the entire team is of that religion or, or follows that. And instead, we do something that we call the opening ceremony. So it's a almost a pantomime of the 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 journey of Quintessa. It starts in the vineyard, mm-hmm. and so we start with the vineyard team with, I pick out like beautiful cluster. This is the first day of harvest, beautiful cluster. We all gather on the crush pad, take a cluster on a tray, and they say, you know, a couple of words about how they have cared for these vines for the last eight months, and that they have had the responsibility of the... Um, spirit of Quintessa, the soul of Quintessa for this time. And now at harvest, it's that moment for them to pass on that responsibility Mm. to the winery team. So they pass this grape cluster onto the winery team and we thank them for their hard work. And we say how we are going to now transform this grape, the product of their work into, through fermentation, through this magical process, into the wine Quintessa that can be shared with the world Mm -hmm. and that we take this responsibility very seriously. And then we pass that on to our hospitality team. So our director of hospitality, Morgan Bailey, represents the customer, the sales, um, the wine itself. And so we pass that on to her and she thanks us for it. And at that point, actually, we we bring a bottle out. (laughs) Why would you know? Right? And because that is the cycle. You know, it's not just the vineyard, it's not just the winery, it's also bringing it out to the customer. That is the full circle. We were talking about the biodynamic Mm -hmm. farming being a closed circle. That's the circle. That's the the life of Quintessa. And we are capturing that soul. We're we're interpreting it. We are uh, capturing the character of the estate and the character of the year in a bottle of wine, which is then able to go out into the world and share that. And every time you open a bottle of Quintessa or you taste it, you're going to feel a little bit of the spirit of Quintessa. Okay. Okay. Fine. I'm going to, I'm going to try. So um, did you say that you have some with you? I do. Do you have, which vintage have you got? I have 2017 in my glass and I had 2018 yesterday, so I can speak about it. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so we were already saying this before we recorded the joys. You have to drink it every day, don't you? Tough, tough life. Mm. So this is is bold, isn't it? Uh, which we would expect yeah. from a much warmer vintage. Oh, you have the seventeen or the eighteen? I ha- seventeen in my you hand, and okay. oh, well, yes. actually, I okay, I can be I can be creative. Um, although I'm not as good at spinning around uh, the wine. Oh, in with the left, left hand, hand. right yeah. hand. I'm so professional. Left, it's like oh, yeah, hang on, it's left all a hand. Bit. I'm not I mean, mm, me too. Mm, okay, I'm like a really weird DJ right now. Like <laughs> anyway, ah, <laughs> uh, do you know what? Okay, me just smelling the two. First of all, I just want everyone to know the intensity on both is really high. There's so much fruit. Um, but you get a lot more kind of, I don't know, chocolate-covered blueberries in the 2018, I guess, because it's a fresher year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then you get this kind of nice, kind of chunky black cherries, black currants, even a bit of a forest fruits edge. But mm-hmm. it, it's just nose-wise. But both of them, beautiful lick of kind of... Um, 
leather, a little licorice spice. Um, I get a lot more kind of almost milk chocolate. It's like dark yeah. chocolate in the 2017 and, and dark, then like yeah. a, like a so milk chocolate. Warmer year. That's exactly right. A warmer year expresses a darker version of Quintessa. So you mm. get more of the, like said, the black fruit mm. and the dark chocolate. Mm. And an 18, you get, there's a lot of minerality. The vintages are different. They're showing those, the different character, the different growing seasons. But the character of Quintessa remains consistent. And that mm-hmm. it has its, that is because we have what I'd call a true terroir, a very strong terroir. Mm-hmm. Um, about uh, three quarters of the property are volcanic soils. Mm-hmm. So the Eastern Hill, the white soils that have, um, very low clay content. So these are very low fertility soils. The vines have to struggle very hard here. And they create this beautiful expression that is more floral, um, redder fruit, and very, very long. Volcanic soils allow electricity into the wine. I think there's like this verve and grittiness. They have a fine, chalky texture in the finish. So that's the finish of Quintessa. Mm. I think of it that way. The central, there's two hills on the central. They are mixed volcanic um, and alluvial, an older alluvial. And so here, one of them has a red soil, higher iron content. That's really, that's like classic minerality, earthy flavors, minerality. The other hill is a, um, a nut brown soil. This has kind of, it's like the Goldilocks. It is not too much clay, not too little clay. Like this is the consistent core of Quintessa and that's mm-hmm. the supple fruit that supple tannin. So these are these are bigger wines. They're dense, but they are not aggressive. Not at all. Um, that, no. Yeah, that ta- it's like tricky tannin because it's I mean, eighteen is just a new release. That's a baby wine, um, but it's drinkable. And the reason it's drinkable is that other quarter of the Quintessa property, which is along the Napa River, which is our western border, and there we have a true alluvial terroir. So this is a deep clay loam. And clay gives you density and power, but it also gives you fleshiness. So that part of the property doesn't have the length or the structure, mm. um, the seriousness, but it is like the flesh on the skeleton that, that's the plushness. Um, I think that that's why Quintessa is so beautiful to drink young, but is quite ageable. And I think what's really nice about them they're beautifully full-bodied and as you said really concentrated and and they're they're deep in color so everyone be be prepared you will get the little marks on your lips like you're smiling (laughs) but there is as you said a real freshness that kind of goes through them um and electricity did you say that or has that just come out of my head no i said electricity oh no so now no but that means that i didn't come up with it (laughs) but it does right it has this Mm -hmm. like it's like it's it's mm-hmm. not that it's acidic, it's that it's like dances, yeah. has a vitality. A, a lightness, even yeah. with all the intensity of fruit. But interesting, yeah. I get, and I guess this is because the 2018 is fresher. I get a little bit more, almost a slight herbal note as well, like even mm-hmm. like a, a hint of dill or something like that going on with yeah, this so kind we, of... Yeah, I get that as we have, that's the, to me, that's like the... Uh, Oh, you're talking about like the native oak woodlands. That's the smell. Like I, I, mm. the Quintessa should smell like it smells when I'm walking through those oak woodlands. And we yeah. have wild sage and yes, California bay laurel. So it's this reads more of a bay. Like it's not a mm. menthol, but it's in this very aromatic family. Um, 
And those are the trees that are around us here. Yeah, and I always get like a slight incense stick. So at the end of the day, yeah. it is that kind of dried wood, the perfume, those aromatics. It's 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 is, very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, I think of it as a t- fresh tobacco leaf if you've ever mm. been like in a tobacco yes. barn. Yes, in um, Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all mm-hmm. these kind of that. It's leafy and earthy without being yeah. woody. It's the yeah. aromatic side of it and herbaceous side, isn't it? Mm. And that is the character of our terroir, and it's also the the varieties that we are growing here, and the varieties in the blend are like the they're the vehicle for the mm. terroir. So it's majority Cabernet Sauvignon, yeah, um, and then there's uh, Cabernet Franc. So you get a little bit of that herbal character, a little bit more structure. Um, there's uh, Merlot, a little bit of plushness. Petit Verdot for that incense, that potpourri. Um, and then there's Carmenere. Mm-hmm. The family is originally from Chile. And ah! so we have some blocks of Carmenere here. And it grows really well. This is okay. my um, only experience making Carmenere, growing Carmenere. And I'm planting, a, we're planting a few more blocks. I love I think it to hear that. Really well here, yeah. And so that's that incense. You know, it's got this like, it's plush, but it's herbal, but it's not green, but not green. It's yeah. quite hard to define. What I'm going to tell everybody is that I feel like I need to sit down with both of these wines and actually stop and not be talking to you and really meditate. <laughs> no, but, you know, meditate over them. Yes. So everyone check out my Instagram later and I'm going to do full on, you know, tasting notes because they deserve that, you know, because it's quite hard to just really sum everything up on just first first sniff and first smell. But I was going to say, interesting, the connections with chili, because as you, you may not know, I actually represent a Chilean winery, Venti's wine estates and I love how everything always connects because what I find fascinating is at the moment you're on a new stage in the vineyards because you've used Chilean Dr Pedro Para who actually helped us with our soil mapping back at the beginning like in 2000 and I adore him I adore his wines he is Dr Terroir isn't he yes he has a PhD in terroir. Like he, he literally is just a rock man. In fact, it was the wine spectator that has said he's the modern day Indiana Jones, which is, I love that because he's just, he's, I, I haven't actually met him, but I met, you can tell me dirty. Oh, he's d- wonderful. Dirty fingernails, always like crawling around and jumping in and out of like holes that he's dug in the ground, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Except, except wearing like a, you know, like a jazz or classic rock, like jazz musician T-shirt. So. Okay. Now, what what is what has he been doing for you, and how is that going to so help you? He has helped us. We have embarked on a new era of discovery, mm. basic Quintessa. So we have had twenty years growing these vines, understanding through that kind of observation what this terroir is. Mm-hmm. So seeing, like, following, and and previously to working with um, Pedro, I understood the different parts of the estate. I had these terroir units based on how the vines reacted yeah, and how the wines taste. And now we're embarking on this next step to be able to anticipate. So the work with Pedro first starts with doing a electroconductivity map. So you map out using electroconductivity the entire estate. Okay. Like, so um, the idea here is that there is only one... Um, component of soils that conducts electricity, which is clay. And so you are seeing the, this electroconductivity map is like all these different colors, the entire state, and it's 
telling you where there's differences in the clay content or some sort of difference mm -hmm. in the estate. And then from that, Pedro, we decide where we're going to actually physically dig pits so that we know, we know that there's a difference, say like there's blue and there's yellow, but what you have to get inside the pit to know what blue is and what yellow is because this is specific to our estate. Wow. So it's telling us where we can dig these pits to understand more. And the previous to working with Pedro and, and what's kind of typical here is that you do soil work. So we had done soil work before, but you do it when you're replanting, when you're planting, because you do mm. it in a very transactional way. Yeah. Like I need to know what amendments I need to make, what rootstock should I use? Mm -hmm. The work we're doing now is to understand better our terroir so that we do not have to replant. So that we can maintain these vines that are were planted in 1990 and allow them to become 50 years old, which is not common here. Typical. I, I went to UC Davis. I was taught that you replant a vineyard every 25 years. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. The no. average age. Yeah. I mean, that's why. But why? Like once you started to think about that, it's, why? Why do you do that? Um I guess profitability. I mean, no, I, well, I guess it's profitability. In the past, it was we want high profitability yields. Profitability of whom? We, the company. They just want to sell. That's back. doing the company that's doing the planting. What? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, either <laughs> way, they're selling you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I know. There's there are reasons, you know, to replant. We've done some replanting here, but but not just because the vines are old. I mean, old vines give you better. Um, consistency, uh, more depth of flavor. And so digging these pits, we're understanding what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I had mentioned that for here with Pedro, it's, we had, he came on the first visit. He had not tasted any barrel samples uh, before. We had not, we were just doing pits first. And we dug a pit in the white soils. And I mentioned that those are on our Eastern Hills. These are the vo uh, volcanic rhyolitic ash. And they are Something special for Quintessa. I think that they're they're a real distinct character here. They are, I mean, in this region, they're not necessarily considered the greatest soils, um, but I think that they are um, some of our most unique and special part of Quintessa, but they are difficult to understand. And mm. the vines, so we were digging a hole in this block called Montclis, and this is a block that um, prior to, I loved it, but prior to my arrival, I think the previous winemakers hadn't really liked it, and digging this pit, kind of, it made so much sense. So Pedro goes down there and he feels the soil and it is all white volcanic ash and it has this kind of gritty feeling. And he's like, well, of course. He's like, this is going to be, um, have a, a texture like Barolo. It's going to be chalky. That's going to be the tannin. And it was like, how does he know that? That's exactly right. And that's exactly why it's so important to do this work because Incredible. if you are just thinking that typical Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon needs to be about density and power and um, concentration and body, that's never going to happen with mm. those soils. Mm -hmm. So if you are trying to make that happen, you're not going to. If you are farming to make that happen, it's not going to succeed. If you are fermenting and macerating and, and doing your winemaking operations to to make that fit into this, you know, it's a it's a square peg in a round hole um, but it doing this pit understanding you could say oh okay i understand this this is what this block is going to give me not density and broadness but linearity and finish and this very distinctive tannin and i need to farm accordingly 
understand the capacity of these vines. You can see the soil and also understand how to treat them in the winery. Mm-hmm. And um, he came in 2018 and we had already um, been thinking a lot about how to understand the, that particular part of the property. And in 2018, I also had done a redesign of the winery because I had noticed by observation, so kind of after the fact observation, that those soils, the the vines, uh, grapes from those soils did really well with concrete fermenters. Ah, And so I redesigned the winery to better respect that part. So I put in 22 custom designed concrete fermenters, so online concrete, to be able to allow that kind of linearity, fine chalky texture, um, show through in its best light because the concrete okay. allows that to show in its best, most fluffy way with a little bit of suppleness. Because at the moment, these wines are seeing like 20, 22 months of French oak, oak. barrels and it just yes. all oak, right? So it's going to be from the 2019 onwards that there's going to so be So the, the 2018, use. no, it's, a, it's actually a tank. So it's fermented in concrete. Okay. Okay. And then it goes so, to barrel. Yeah, so we had the great combination of having these concrete fermenters come in in the 2018 mm-hmm. vintage and have Pedro come in. And, you know, it was like he hadn't even tasted the wine yet, but he what he was saying was exactly what I had been observing, and it was just mind-blowing. I mean, just... Yeah, there's some, I've seen an article that was written about an interview with Dr. Pedro Para, and it was like, I don't, I'm saying things incorrectly now, so nobody quote me, but it was like, oh, uh, wine made on granitic soil. Oh, you can taste it in the front palate, and then wine mm-hmm. on a much more, you know, clay soil or a, li- or a limestone soil. It, you you taste it in the Feel mid it, palate yeah. or the back or, you know, and and so... You... And, I, and it's an exciting way, and, I, and it's, it's a, it's a way I like to think about wines, because it's what it's not about what's like in the world of wine. It's not what's better or worst on one scale. It's what's most expressive and true of mm. its own character. Yeah. It's unique. Um, Quintessa should only taste like it's from Quintessa. So it's been an incredible work with him. And he is, he is one of the most amazing tasters I've, I've ever had the opportunity to taste with. It's wow. Pretty, it's pretty expressive. So we've continued to do this work. Um, you know, when he wasn't able to travel, we were doing a little bit of um, good old you know, Zoom FaceTime yeah, face yeah. videos in a pit. Um, and it, it's it's really exciting. And, and you combine that kind of knowledge with a vintage like 2018 and then following it 2019 where Mother Nature is very easy and it allows you to see the results of the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any kind of like mitigating effect of, um, you know, these these you know weather events that we can get. Um, and it's, it's been incredible. Um, I think the, where our understanding and our, um, connection to the estate and to the place Quintessa has just been, um, deepening at a like exponential scale over the last, um, five years. Amazing. And I think that with Napa Valley anyway, we all know that you went through a stage where it was all about big, juicy, uh, intense <laughs> fruit, high alcohol, yeah. power, power, power. Mm-hmm. And that's been changing. And everyone yeah. is starting to find the finesse. And certainly what you're, apart from the fact that I can taste this in the wine, there's beautiful concentration. It's more about finesse and a freshness. And also with all your now new findings, I can see how the wine is going to probably come together. Even more of that with those individual uh, areas how would you for somebody saying okay well this is a bordeaux blend you're using the bordeaux mm-hmm. varieties here in napa how would you say that compares to 
Bordeaux, just so somebody okay. can understand, yes. you know? Oh, I think about this all the time because even Napa <laughs> is, uh, Napa is different than Bordeaux. Yes. Um, but Contessa is in, in a state in the classic sense. Yes. Um, where we grow our own grapes and we make our wine and we are distributed, um, we are actually distributed, the Quintessa is on La Place de Bordeaux. So we are internationally distributed. Well, of course you are, because these are, I think, I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to pause. Everyone needs to know, these are, this is not just a typical uh, Cabernet Bordeaux blend that we're drinking. I mean, the 2017 is something that you need to get on a very special occasion, £187 a bottle. And you can get half bottles, apparently from hedonism, everyone. So that is going yes. to be cheaper. That is your way to get a Contessa. Um, but the normal bottles you can get apparently from Tanico and also from Crump, Richmond and Shore Fine Wines. And then the 2018, 150 pounds bargain. And by the way, I actually prefer the uh, 2018 because I like the the blueberry freshness and the slightly more herbaceous nature. But I mean, I'm not complaining. I'll have both. Um, <laughs> and you can get it from Uncorked, Crew World Wine London, uh, Far Vintners, Burnet and Herbert Fine Wines. I will put all this in the show notes, but I just, that's why you're in the place to Bordeaux. These wines are high-end, top, 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 Top of the game, premium, stunning examples of what can come out of Napa. Okay, there you go. You can continue now. <laughs> so I, you know, again, it's we have a volcanic um, terroir, so we're not, you know, defined just by like gravels or, or clay. But I think that, um, I mean, I have, I have my a couple chateaus that are like my dream and my I love to follow every year and, uh-huh. and get to know really well because they're so exciting to me. Um, but I think that we are more like Poyac or even Santa Steph because we have, we in the world of wine, like it, Quintessa is elegant and has finesse, but it is a powerful wine. Mm-hmm. So we do have that kind of power and that structure yeah, okay. um, component um, to ourselves. I'd go with more Santa Steph. For me, I get with Puyac more of the gravelly, more of the earthy nature. Mm-hmm. But Santa Steph, I, Santa Steph, I get a little Easy. bit more of plusher fruit rounder fruit and i think the nice thing about these wines is even at 2018 it's so approachable because the tannins are they're chalky they're sweet chalky soft tannins that give you this minerality maybe from the volcanic soils Mm -hmm. but the point is they're incredibly approachable it's not we're not doing it justice because i can only imagine this wine is going to be superb in 15 years time or more oh i mean yes but Hey, you know. But isn't it nice to be able to drink it, like, you know, I, I don't even always decant, so. Oh, well, I poured this in the glass at the beginning of our conversation. It has had some time in the glass, but it's not decanted, and it is drinking beautifully. Again, everybody, I will give my full conclusion later once I have spent time <laughs> just looking at it, smelling it, and sipping it, because they're just, they're, they're beautiful. So just... Uh, just to finish off, I just want to conclude with one, oh God, I bet this is not going to be short, but when you were at the University of California, you wrote a thesis on the effects of winemaking techniques of the phenolic composition of yes. Cabernet Sauvignon. Yes. So, I mean, is there a quick takeaway here? You know, phenolics are good, okay, everyone, yes. by the way. They're healthy. They they help us live longer. So that's, that's oh, yeah. good. So phenolics are interesting. My undergraduate, my bachelor's degree was in chemistry and biology. So I've always been interested in phenolics. And I like, 
you know, one of the things I like about wine is that it's, it is a incredibly complex matrix. Like you cannot, I like to know and to understand like why things are happening. I, yeah. I like process, like studying phenolics or thinking about seed tannins. Um, but you can never, wine is so complex that you can never actually know everything. You can never break it down. You can just learn different things. So I did do my thesis work on the effect of different winemaking techniques on the phenolic composition of Cabernet Sauvignon. So I worked with different vineyards and different um, techniques. So different um, like pump over style, pump over punch down, delistage, um, tannin additions, enzyme additions, oh my God. and utilizing different um, vineyards and you know, analyzing them by component, by phenolic component, which is um, phenolics are the color and the building blocks of tannin in mm-hmm. wine. So mouthfeel and, and color in wine. That comes from the skins, everyone, by the way, just in case. It yeah. comes from the mm-hmm. skins and the seeds. Yes, not pulp. And yeah, you know, it was really fascinating to me. One of, the, I mean, basically my conclusion was it depends. Um, <laughs> I, do you know what? That's a really, really good answer because, you know, so many times people ask me wine questions and I'm not a specialist in one subject. I'm an ex-sommelier. I represent a winery. I do education on a, you know, looking at the wines of the world. But, you know, it's like even when you get into the nitty gritty of one thing, I mean, it, there's always a wine rule, but then there's the opposite. You know, like there's mm-hmm. a rules, but they can always be broken. Conclusion, yeah. depends. It depends. <laughs> and that is how we end the episode, ladies and gentlemen. That's amazing. Um, I feel quite, I feel calmed by learning about Quintessa's story. It feels quite magical and you kind of feel, I feel energized. I would love it if you could come to visit. Well, I oh. will absolutely take you up on that offer because it just, it's, you, we said about the, the electricity and for me, there's an energy and maybe that's coming from you maybe that's coming from the soil maybe that's just coming right now because I'm listening to the story I don't know but that (laughs) is kind of what is being transmitted so it's been beautiful going through these very very special wines so thank you for taking us on that little journey it's been fabulous well thank you for spending the time with me and I do I welcome you to come visit or any of your listeners we are as I mentioned only about an hour away from San Francisco Napa Valley does hospitality. It's a it's an adult playground. Um, what we do here is hospitality, and there is nothing there is nothing like tasting a wine in the vineyard. Beautiful, um, so. lovely. Well, I'll see you there, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All I can say to you all is, I hope that one day you are able to transport yourself to Rutherford, Napa, by having a sip of Quintessa. Now, to finish off, as always, I have a wine quote, and it's from another best-selling, award-winning author, Sandra Bird, American and female, to stick with the episode from a Napa Valley winery, and, of course, my nod to Women's History Month. Now, rightly or wrongly, (laughs) she said, if your arteries are good, Eat more ice cream. If they are bad, drink more red wine. Proceed thusly. Now, don't forget, she certainly has a point with that red wine. Many studies have shown, drunk of course in moderation, (laughs) that red wine and its polyphenols are 
organic compounds of medicinal magic. They can help prevent cardiovascular disease, apparently inhibit cancer cell growth, lower that bad cholesterol. So what are you waiting for? Grab that glass of red, get yourself a bottle of Quintessa for the next special occasion on the list, and let's all get healthier together. Big thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me with suggestions of what you want to listen to in the future or just to give me feedback. My email and Instagram are in the show notes. Ah, as is the transcript, should you want to download. And if you're feeling extra feisty and generous, then please do leave me a review or a comment on your podcast app, especially if you are listening through Apple Podcasts. Do a good deed of the day by sharing this podcast with another wine-loving friend and do not forget to like and subscribe. Now, next week, I will be talking to another inspiring woman, Anne Crabeel, a master of wine, and we're going to be talking Pinot Noir clones or, as you would say in Germany, which is where Anne is from, Spad Burgunder. So, tune in next week for some deep conversation. Until then... Cheers to you.